welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. We keep a track on what are the most uh, prevalent and the ones, uh, the podcasts that receive the most downloads uh, by you, the listener. And that has been hands down, how do you know you're born again? And we're going to be covering that. But also, why born again is not necessarily salvation. He gets you in the race, but you have to overcome to the end. And many are not taught that. The Word of God is very explicit on that, that we must obey and do the will of God in order to have uh, access to the kingdom of heaven. Now the question is, what is salvation? Is just being born again and that's it? Do we have to grow up into Jesus in all things and all truth? Or is it just simply being born again and that guarantees us we have heaven made? These are critical questions that have an eternal consequence. When we take a look at the Word of God, when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. Now everyone knows that. You must be born of the water and the Spirit. And here's where controversy comes in. There will always be differences of opinion to the natural man on the Word of God. But what's the truth? The truth can only be revealed by the Spirit of truth, which is the Christ in you, the Holy Ghost. We have even watered that down today in today's vernacular, calling the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Ghost is the Holy Spirit of God. That's truth. But when you say Holy Ghost, as referenced in the Word of God, in the original authorized version, you're giving credence to Jesus, that He came, the Spirit of God, the Father of glory, came down in His own body of flesh and blood, that He made for Himself as a man under the law to redeem us that were under the law. He is Emmanuel. God with us. So immediately, there's difference of opinions. Some will say, well, you just simply ask Jesus to come into your heart where no one in the Word of God ever dropped down on their knees and said, Jesus, come into my heart for salvation. Man has developed these doctrines of men to fill their churches, making great merchandise of you with swelling words of man's wisdom. We all know that. The preachers there claim that if you come into the church of the living God, that you're going to be blessed financially. You're going to have houses, lands, and cars, and you're going to have uh, retirement accounts. Your business is going to flourish. And it's simply because you are a Christian. When we know that those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust, not a lover of the world, any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So as we cover today, what is salvation? Who will be saved? Is it just simply I'm born again and that's it? Or do we have to grow up into Jesus and all things and all truth? Do we have to live in the proceeding word of God in obedience unto perfection? The word of God states this. But is it necessary? Is it required? Is it an essential to salvation? And we'll answer these questions. 
according to the Word of God. Now, many will have different opinions based upon their denominal churches and their denominational creeds that they have believed and stood for for centuries on end. These ecumenical councils and synods from centuries ago have stated there's a Trinity God, but yet there's only a mention in the Word of God over and over again of the Holy One of Israel. There's never a Holy Trinity mentioned one time in the Word of God. Yet, we're told we're to accept this. Well, the true believer is scrutinizing the Word of God, reading it with a pure heart, seeking God with all their heart, diligently, will see that most of what we see in denominal Christianity is false. But it's up to the individual to seek the Lord to find that truth. Now, let's talk about being born again. Being born again, very simply, when we see in John 3, Nicodemus came and died, Jesus said at night, and Rabbi, there are the teacher sent from God. And then Jesus tells Nicodemus about being born again. He said, except a man be born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, with a natural mind, not understanding the spiritual truth of that, said, how is a man that is old enter the second time into his mother's womb? This seemed impossible to Nicodemus to be born again. And Jesus said, that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, that's born again. Now, who declared that? Jesus brought salvation as a man in under the law, not above it. He was an Adam after the fall. He is our kinsman redeemer. A man lost it. Only a man could redeem us back. Now, that requires revelation. Who is this man? Well, the nominal Christianity tells us he's the second person of the Godhead. But when we read the Word of God, that's not what it states. It states very plainly, over and over again, that there's only one, the Shema, which is uh, the Jew writing there on the wall of the mezuzah, knows, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Yet we are to believe there's somehow or another three persons in this one Godhead. Because we see, well, there's a Father, there's the Word, there's the Holy Ghost, there's the Son of God, Son of Man. But when you seek these truths in each of the various offices and functions of the one Spirit, it doesn't make sense. I mean, do you pray for the Father and allow Him 50 minutes in your prayer? And then you don't want to make the Son uh, there where he is disgruntled because he didn't get enough time in prayer. And you don't want to make the Holy Ghost mad because you didn't address him. Well, this is all ridiculous. Why? Because there's only one Spirit of God. Now, that is hid in the Word of God. And it's hid as we see that Paul stating this truth in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. Why was it hid? Jesus said that in John 16, I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs. 
why would he speak in Proverbs to begin with? Then he states, I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs. I will show you plainly of the Father. Plainly of the Father? Why did he speak in Proverbs about the Father to begin with? Because only those of a pure heart will see God and know that revelation of Jesus, that he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which he is, was, and is to come. The Almighty God, he is the Father of glory. Now God's using judgments to reveal his true essence and who he is. When judgments are in the earth, men will learn righteousness, the true God. And that last book in our Bible, in the Word of God, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That God gave unto him to show unto his servants things that which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel unto John. Well, the things are always the things of faith, but it's now faith. Not yesterday's faith, not tomorrow's faith, now faith. That's the proceeding word of God by which every believer lives by. Well, what are these things? Well, then we have to go deeper into the word of God. Very few go deep. Very few even read the word of God. They take what the pastor says at their denominal churches and think, well, he's a good man. He wouldn't tell me a lie. And that's what we believe. Well, when we search the word of God and search these scriptures, for in them we think we have eternal life. And these are the age that Jesus stated, testify of me, not of us, of me. There's only one. In the volume of the book it's written to me, I come to do thy will, O God, for a body that has prepared me. The me is God. He prepared his own body of flesh and blood. There we see that in Isaiah 43.10, that you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. And my servant whom I have chosen, to the natural mind, there is two separate individual persons or personalities. But God said that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, the Lord of glory, the God Almighty, the Father of glory, is that servant. Then he explains, before me, before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. There'll never be another. There's one unique one, the only begotten Son of God, which is the monogamous Theos, the only begotten God, which is the same as the only begotten one, monogamous Yaqid, which is the only begotten Son which is the monogamous Huos. Well, who is this child that is born, this son that is given to us? Isaiah 9.5, Isaiah 9.6 tells us who he is. And his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. But we think it's the Mighty Son of God. The Son of God's coming to flesh. No, he's the Mighty God. He is the Emmanuel God with us, the Everlasting Father. But most preach that he's the Everlasting Son which is a total fatal error. He is the everlasting father revealed in the body of flesh and blood as the son of God. So let's talk about being born again. How do you know that you're born again? Well, in Matthew 16, going to the fundamentals and the doctrine of Christ, as we must be taught and established in and abide in the doctrine of Christ, anyone that doesn't hath not God. We see that in 2 John 9. Whosoever abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. 
And the doctrine of Christ is the revelation that God gave in us in the Holy Writ of who he is. But it's revealed, not through study of Greek, Hebrew, Latin, Chaldee, Aramaic, whatever the case is. It is revealed by the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, the Christ in you. We have to lean not to our own understanding, but to the leading of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, well, why don't you say Holy Spirit? Because ghost is the spirit of a person. It denotes and gives credence and credit to our Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of God Almighty. Somebody said, God doesn't have blood. Yes, he did. He saved you back. Acts 20, 28. Take heed to yourselves over all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Defeat the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood, God's own blood, the Holy Ghost's own blood. Now that will short circuit in many, many denominal thinking there in the natural mind. We're trying to be saved spiritually with a natural mind, which cannot receive the things of God, which is faith. Now faith is the substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen. Now let's make sure we're born again. There in Matthew 16, Jesus asked a very pertinent question. He said to his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He refers to himself as the son of man. In the third person, uh, there when the son of man cometh, shall he, not I, but shall he find faith on the earth? Sometimes he speaks of it in the first person, sometimes in the third person. Over 80 times in the word of God, but why? Well, John 3.13, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Hmm. Jesus standing there right before them, talking to his disciples, stating that he's in heaven. Certainly not referring to his flesh, but referring to the spirit that he is. And he stated, If I were the finger of God... Cast out devils, not with the finger of the Son of God. If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, know ye the kingdom of God's come nigh unto you. The Son of Man is the kingdom office. The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Jesus casting out devils with the finger of God. He tells over and over again that he is the Father. John 8, 24, when they ask, where is your Father? Jesus stated Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. But then we have to go into deeper revelation to understand how God works salvation in and of himself alone. It's revealed in the word of God. But it's only revealed by the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth. Now let's go back. How do we born? How do we know we're born again? Well, that's the major question. First, we have to get into the race to run it. And... Uh, don't you know that we all run a race, but only one winneth the prize. We must overcome to the end and win that prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, how do we born again? Notice that when Jesus asked that question, some say you're John the Baptist, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. But then Jesus asked the disciples, but who do you say I am? That's the I am that I am, the Father of glory, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph, as seen in uh, uh, Exodus 3. Moses on the mount there with the burning bush, asked the name, and he said, I am that I am. And Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? That's the I am that I am. 
Peter said, Thou art the Christ. Not just a Christ. You are the Christ, the Hamashiach, the Messiah that should come in the world. You are, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus confirms that. Simon bar Jonah, flesh and blood are not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But however, we see in Deuteronomy 32, their rock is not our rock. We've got a false, faulty foundation, those uh, that have a false doctrine of Christ. Their rock is not our rock. Our rock is a capital R-O-C-K, God himself. Their rock is a second person or some other man other than God the Father himself. That he is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. So the last day work, is this not sealed up among my treasures, saith God? Deuteronomy 32 in the Torah, he states what he's going to do. For the Lord will judge his people, repent himself of the evil. That's it, the trouble, the tribulation. When he sees their powers gone, not Holy Ghost power, he's going to make us come to the end of our flesh. Not doing our will, but the will of God. And there's none shut up or left. Why would he do that? That you may know and see that I am he. I am God and there is none other. That's the whole reason for the judgments of God in the seals, trumpets, and vows in the last last days uh, in the revelation of Jesus, the Christ. See, now that I am God and there's not another. That's what he states there in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32. That's the reason for the judgments. And whenever he says, I am God, and there is none other, I know not any. Now, let me ask you a question. If there was another spirit there, spirit junior or God junior or a second person of the Godhead, God would have stated that there, that there's only one more in heaven, and that's my son. But that's not what he stated. I am God, God alone, I, there is none other. I know not any. There's none other. Now we have to understand what that means. He said, I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. That is the Lord God Almighty. He says, shall there be evil in the city? And I, the Lord God, have not done it. That's the Lord in his sovereignty. He is God. And shall we have good at the hand of the Lord? And shall we not suffer evil also, as Job stated? They, yea, though God slay me, yet I'll trust in him. He's the only true God in eternal life. And his ways are not our ways. We don't stand and do our own understanding, but we seek the will of God and follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. We lean not to our own ways, our own understanding. So when Peter stated that, Jesus said, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee. Where did he get the revelation from? from the Father in heaven, the Spirit of God. Well, to understand that, Jesus has made himself the Spirit of God of no reputation. He has laid aside his glory in a self-imposed limitation upon himself as Spirit. Why would he do that? Because he's going to work salvation as a man. 
A man loves it. Only a man can redeem us back. You see that in Romans 5. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world. Death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. We are told the servant is the second person of the Godhead. But that's not what God said. Who is this servant? Well, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the mind of Christ. They have that mind of Christ. You have to have that revelation. We all do. But what is that? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, Morpha. That's an eternal state of being. There's only one form of God, that spirit. God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And Jesus, who being in the form of God, he is and always has been God, the Father of glory, the Word, the Holy Ghost. He has always been a self-existent eternal God. He's in the form of God. He did not think it robbery to be equal with God. That's every attribute of God. He did not fail short in one attribute that God is, power, wisdom, understanding, prudence, peace, everything that God is. Jesus states, it's that, then not think it, that robbery to be equal with God. Equal with him, nobody's equal with God except God himself. That's what it's stating there. That's what Paul is stating in Philippians 2.6. Jesus, who being in the form of God, they're not robbery to be equal to God, not made equal, be equal. He's always been God. Colossians 1.16, he, all things were made by him. Whether it be thrones, principalities, powers, things visible and invisible, seen and unseen, all things were made by Christ Jesus. That is who he is and always has been, God Almighty, the Spirit of God, the Father of glory. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. How be it? He has to work salvation for us that he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Well, how is God going to do that? How is he going to work salvation? And then the question is, how are we as Christians not only born again, but saved? Well, we go into the word of God. And right there in Matthew 16, we have that rock, that revelation, Christ, the Son of the living God, which is Jesus only, is the foundation of the church. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory. Don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that. Jesus stated it, and he is the truth. And when he did, then he said, Simon bar Jonah, now is called, thou art Peter, Petros, a piece of the rock. And upon this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. You loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Therefore, Peter was given the keys. Who's going to preach on the day of Pentecost? Now, this is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because until he dies... That law is still there, separating the Spirit of God from mankind. What does God do? He makes himself from no reputation that he's not going to work his spirit and comes and takes on him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. You'll see that in Philippians 2.6. 
God himself becomes our Savior. He is that servant. How does he do it? Well, first of all, he has to put a self-imposed limitation upon himself because if he works the Spirit, then he is not as our kinsman redeemer. He must be a man. If he works as the Spirit of God, then that can't redeem us. So what does he do? Well, there's no man that can save us because all have conceived in sin, shape and iniquity, none good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God looked for a man, he was amazed he could find none. So what does he do? Well, the devil's laughing, thinking that he has uh, the victory. He has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So what does the Lord do? Well, just exactly what he said he was going to do in Genesis 3.15. Talking to the servant. He said, I'm going to put enmity between you, snake, and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He's going to bruise his head, and thou wilt bruise his heel. Not her heel, his heel. Seed of the woman. Well, that's exactly what he's going to do. A woman's going to conceive and bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel. Not the son of God with us, God with us. That's where we tripped up and we believed that these seducing spirits are doctrines of men. Who is he? He's Emmanuel, God with us. We see that in Isaiah 7, 14. Well, who's born in the city of David? Christ. Who is he? That Christ, the Lord. The Lord is Christ. The Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Well, there Peter's given the keys. Until the Lord dies on that cross, that law is still in effect. It has not been fulfilled. And therefore, even though Jesus is the Spirit of God, he has made himself of no reputation, Philippians 2.6, not working his spirit in a self-imposed limitation. It's the kenosis. The Greek word there means he made himself void or laid aside his glory. He's not going to work his spirit. That's the reason he makes himself of no reputation. And takes upon him the spirit of God that's been made latent, laid back, not going to be used as spirit. Takes upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. That's God found in the likeness of man. Being fashioned as a man humbles himself to the death, even the death of the cross. Now, by that doing that, God becoming a man made in under the law. You'll see that in Galatians 4, verse 4. He has to be an Adam like us. He has to be our kinsman redeemer, one of us. He has to redeem us as one of us. God, as spirit, couldn't do it, because if he did, he would there put man in an eternal state of being separated from God. The price has to be paid. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And the law required it. Well, the law is just, the law is holy. But the flesh, that is mankind in flesh, is weak. So what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That son is the father revealed in a body of flesh and blood. Now, the spirit's always been a spirit. The father is an eternal office. The word is an eternal office and function of the spirit. 
The Holy Ghost is an eternal function of the Spirit. These offices are eternal. The Son of God is the redemption office of that same Spirit. It's an eternal office. The Son of Man is an eternal office also of the kingdom of God. Each one of these offices are eternal. But it's all God. It's one Spirit. You may be a father. You may have children. There, on the other hand, you may be also a husband married to your wife. Well, you're a father of your children. You're a husband of your wife. You may be a businessman and have uh, a business. There, on the other hand, you may have uh, uh, musical ability. You may be a musician. You may be an artist. You may be a painter. All of these different attributes are but you. You're a painter. You're a musician. You're a father. You're a husband. You're a businessman. But it's all you. Same way with God. God is the Father. He is the Word, the expression office of the Spirit. He is the Holy Ghost, the power office of the Spirit. Son of God, that's the redemption office of His Spirit. Son of Man, that's the kingdom office of His Spirit. That's one Spirit. Different functions. The Father's eternal office, the same Spirit there that made Himself of no reputation is Jesus. But He does not just stay there he adds to himself the form of a servant after he's made himself of no reputation. This is the only way that he can come under his own law as a man, our kinsman redeemer, to redeem us that were under the law. That's Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made in under the law, to redeem us under the law. Well, that's very simple. He has to be one of us in order to rename us. And we see that in Romans 5. So we're having to have this revelation of Jesus to understand how God works salvation in and of himself alone. How God loved us so much that he literally gave himself a, a himself as a lamb, a sacrificial lamb on that cross. We see that in 1 John 3.16, Hereby we perceive the love of God because he, God himself, laid down his life for us. That's God's own life, God's own body, his own body of flesh and blood. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, everyone knows John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that only begotten son is the only begotten God, the only begotten one, the soul, solitary, unique one, that is God manifest in the flesh. But how does he do it? And he makes himself of no reputation. So he can work only as a man. He does not cease and desist from being God. He is still God, except he's not working for our salvation. As spirit, he's doing it as a man that is emptied out of glory, made of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6. Now, when he does that, he's a servant. And Isaiah 43, 10 tells us who the servant is. The prophets tell us, not only in, in the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, which is the greatest commandment of all, Mark 12, 29. The scribe asked Jesus, what's the first commandment of all? What's the dominant commandment? Jesus said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's dominant. 
and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, and might. Second is likened to it, love thy neighbors thyself. From all this hang all the law and the prophets. Well, Mark 12, 29. That's the Shema, one. But we have somehow or other hewed out three. Three persons in this one Godhead somehow or other makes no sense because it does not, it is not co-equal of co-substance in a hypostatic union with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which is absolutely a lie. But we believe this through these ecumenical councils and synods that's been sent down to us through the centuries and built churches upon that foundation, which is a falsy, faulty foundation. So God in the last days will use judgment, judgment in the earth, for men to learn righteousness, to learn the true God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty God. Revelation 1.8, that's the whole purpose of the judgments. Not to destroy mankind, but to get mankind to turn to him, as then stated in the Torah in Deuteronomy 32, that he alone is God. There's not another. He knows not any. And everyone will know him. From the least to the greatest, all shall know God. From the least to the greatest, for the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth, for the waters cover the seas. All will know him. Why? Through the work of judgment. When they see the judgments of God, then in seals, trumpets, and vows, uh, then everyone will turn to the true and living God, Jesus Christ, not a trinity. There we must, to be born again, must be born of the water and the spirit. Now, at that point, we really don't have that revelation of Jesus Christ as yet. All we know is that we are commanded to be born of the water and the spirit. We don't have the revelation. He's a father. There's only one, but we don't know. But we received the word of God that Peter gave us on the day of Pentecost, that he had the keys to the kingdom, and he's going to give us how to be born again. Born of the water and the spirit. Well, Jesus died, buried, rose again, and in that death, he took the ordinances of that law that were contrary to us. That is, that we could not fulfill that law because of the weakness of the flesh. But he took the ordinances of that law and nailed it to his cross, thereby breaking down that middle wall of partition the wall that parted his spirit that he is, God Almighty, that he had made of no reputation. There he broke down that wall that separated his spirit from the man that he is, that he formed of himself, as we see in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. We see it in the prophets, Isaiah 43, 10. You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Notice that's a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's a self-existent, eternal, invisible spirit of God that is omnipresent everywhere, omnipotent, almighty, and omniscient, all-knowing. And you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. That spirit of God, one, not two, not three, one. And my servant whom I have chosen, Chosen, when did you choose him? Well, God spoke from heaven, Thou art my beloved son, whom I well pleased. Then he would say later on, Hear ye him, not the law, 
but him. He's taking the law to a higher level in the spiritual sense, taking the law, the natural law of Moses, making the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And we are to hear him now, Jesus Christ, after the, after the order of Melchizedek. Well, that happened at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When he died, he took the ordinances of that law, nailing it to his cross, and he broke down that middle wall of partition in and of himself. He is that spirit, but he made of no reputation. And he came under his own law. That's how the Son of God was made of a woman, made in under the law to redeem us that were under the law. He had to do it himself. How do we know that? Because Isaiah 59, 16 says that God looked for a man. He had to have a man. But he had to be a perfect, spotless, blameless man, a lamb of God for a sacrifice. It had to be holy and sinless. Howbeit, all were conceived in sin, shape and iniquity, none good, no, not one. Therefore, God could not find a man. A seed of Adam. All its sin. So what does he do? As his own seed of a woman, his own body that he has prepared as a seed of a woman, and under the law, he's going to redeem us. And he will keep that law as a man, not as a God-man, but as a man through the eternal spirit, showing us the way, the truth, and life, what we must do as our example, as he is our way, the truth, and the life, that he leads and guides us into all truth. Because the forerunner has already entered in. He has shown us the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took the ordinances of that law that were contrary to us, and there was a wall of partition, parted the Spirit of God from mankind. But Jesus became that man, made himself of no reputation, took on him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, humbling himself to the death, the death of the cross, and taking the ordinances of that, ordinances of that law, nailing it to his cross, and breaking down the metal wall of partition, making a way into the holiest of all. There, sacrificing himself, they rented the veil, that is to say, his flesh, Hebrews 10, making the way into the holiest of all, there to the Lord God Almighty himself. Jesus works salvation in and of himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world into himself, not another person of the Godhead. Now, that's what's being revealed. But at the time we're being born again, we don't have the revelation that Jesus is the Father of glory. All we know is that we're to be born of the water and the Spirit, and we preach you must be born again. Now, how do you do that? Well, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the next season of God, uh, there in that fourth feast was the Feast of Weeks. In that season of Passover, we had uh, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. That's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, working salvation and death, burial, and resurrection. Now, now we come to the second season, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, 50 days after first fruits. And we have that day of Pentecost when it was fully come, one mind, one accord, and suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues of fire appeared, suddenly each one of them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. 
fulfilling Mark 16, all those that believe in my name shall speak with new tongues. A sign to the unbeliever. With stammering lips and other tongues, while I speak to this people. Sign to the unbeliever. Well, there it is. Acts the second chapter, verse 4. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. But the plan of salvation hadn't been given. In this church age, this dispensation of grace. Well, Peter, who had the keys of the kingdom, will obviously be the officiator. He will be the spokesman. And they're plucked in their heart and said, Madam, brethren, what must we do? What's, what do we have to do to be born again? Well, we must be born of the water and the spirit. We know that in John 3. Well, how do we do that? Well, some say, well, you ask Jesus to come into your heart. No, that's not what it said. Or say the sinner's prayer. No, that's not what the word of God states. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. He, there, what he loosed on earth, loosed in heaven, bound on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And he states, along with the other 11, Matthew being there also. And they said, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter, standing up, said, repent. Now, that's the first step, is repentance. Now, don't stop there. Godly sorrow, work the repentance unto salvation. Not salvation, but unto salvation, not to be repented of. Paul tells us in the book of Romans. But we don't stop there. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, some pastor will say that's works. Because he's been brainwashed. That that's what the ecumenical councils and synods say. That there's no works of the law that whereby you be saved. This is not a works of the law. This is very stated, very simply, of how you're born of the water. That's how you believe with the heart, having the heart circumcised. There's only one way. You can circumcise your human spirit, that is your heart, is by baptism. That is Romans 6, 1 through 4. That's Colossians, uh, the second chapter, verse 10 through 12. By baptism, there's no other way. And you will see that all through the book of Acts in uh, this dispensation of grace. Well, they'll say, well, no, you do this, do that. No, believe the word of God. Everyone that was ever born again after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Peter gave us the plan. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's the name of the Spirit of God in every function and office there is. Jesus Christ. He is the Christ. Christ is every office of the Spirit. Just one. One Spirit. We find that. One body. One Spirit. Not three. One Spirit in whom you're called and one hope of your calling. One Lord. Not two. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God, the Father of us all, who's above all and in us all. Ephesians 4. So God is moving in judgment to get us to turn and return to the true and living God, Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing now. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But if a person does not want to hear the truth and stay in their ecumenical councils and denominal Christianity, then they will find that through the judgments of God that he will reveal that there's only one true God, and that is Jesus Christ and him alone, the Father of glory. He is the Word, He is the Holy Ghost, and that's declared uh, in Revelation 19, 13, on His vesture dipped in blood, His name is called. 
the Word of God. And the Word is the Father. It is the Holy Ghost. You know that in First John 5, 7. It's through the bare record in heaven, the Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost. He's 301. That's a Greek word, heist, not in union, but the self-same spirit. There we know that this plan was given to us to be born again in Acts 2.38. That was given, as Peter was given that in Matthew 16. He's now the spokesperson on the day of Pentecost. He gives us the plan in this dispensation of grace. And he says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There's no name there. Jesus Christ, the blood name, revealed name, the redemptive name of God himself, the blood name that will wash away sins. Why? Why are you baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? For the remission of your sins. Now, if you have a Bible that says because your sins are remitted, it's a lie. The original transcript says for your sins to be remitted. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. That's born of the water. That's what Jesus stated in John 3. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. That's very self-explanatory. Just believe the word of God and do it. Well, who's this promise to? This promise is to you, to your children, to as many that are afar off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Are you called for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you called to be born again? Yes. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Well, sure, it's called for all of us to be born of the water and the spirit. To be born again, we must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ after we've repented for the remission of our sins and then, then filled with the Holy Ghost, born of the spirit. And we see different examples of that. We see it in Roman, excuse me, in Acts the 8th chapter. In Acts 8 chapter, they had been down there and Philip and then went down there and preached the word of God. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But they hadn't received the Holy Ghost as yet. They were born of the water, but you must be born of the Spirit. They hadn't been born of the Spirit yet, but they were born of the water. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, they called for Peter. Laid hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. Now they're born of the Spirit then. And only then were they born again of water and Spirit. Not one or the other. Both born of the water and Spirit. We go to there, to the house of Cornelius in Acts the 10th chapter of the Italian band. Well, Peter goes down there and as he's preaching to this Italian band, not to the Jews only, but to the Greeks, the Holy Ghost falls as he preaches Jesus Christ. And notice that Peter states, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Notice that's water baptism. Who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? They were born of the Spirit first. They were speaking in other tongues. How did they know that? Because he heard them. For Peter heard them. He heard them speak in other tongues and give God the glory. He heard them speak in other tongues. Then he said, can any man forbid water? They're already born of the Spirit. 
Now, can you forbid them being born of the water? They were already born of the Spirit. So it said, can any man forbid water to those that have already received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them, not suggestion. It's not a second work of grace. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now they're born of the water and the Spirit. They were born of the Spirit first and then the water. Now let's take a look at Acts 19. We have fundamentalists there. And they have believed the preaching of Apollos, the silver tongue orator of Alexandria, well versed in the scriptures in the Old Testament, but only had that John the Baptist doctrine of water of repentance. That's all he knew. Well, Paul went through there, and he found certain brethren. Notice in Acts the 19th chapter, they hadn't been born of the water and spirit. Paul couldn't find any of them that had the gifts of the spirit, speaking other tongues, and he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, we know you're a believer, but you hadn't been born again. And they said, sirs, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. We're, they are not born of the Spirit. So then Paul asked the obvious question. Under then, what were you baptized? Well, the preacher says baptism doesn't make any difference. Then why is Paul even mentioning baptism? They already believe. They haven't heard of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, Christ in them, the hope of glory. And without that Spirit, if that Spirit that dwells in Jesus, if it dwells in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. But if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's not of his. They're not saved until you are born of that Spirit. Well, Paul asked, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, sir, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. He said, under then what were you baptized? You get the baptism right? Well, they said under John's baptism. Paul goes, ah, well, John truly did baptize with water under repentance, saying that you should look on him that would come after him, going into the present truth. You must be born of the water and the spirit, not just repenting, not of waters of repentance. That won't do it. So he preached to them Jesus Christ. Then they were baptized. They're born of the water then. And then Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. They were born of the Spirit. And they spake with other tongues and prophesied. There you go. They're born again of the water and Spirit. Now, at that point, the believer that has been born again may not have the revelation that Jesus is the Father of glory, that he is the self-existent eternal Spirit of God. But the next step is that knowledge of who the Lord is. They're born again. They're newborn babies. They desire the sincere milk of the word. But in Hebrews 5, Paul tells us that these newborn babies, the babes are unskillful in the word of righteousness. They don't know the progression of glory, that they're to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. They're unskillful in it. So they have to be grown on milk and not of strong meat. The next step is, as we see in 1 John 2, 12 through 14, there the next step from newborn babes is little children. You've grown from a baby to a little child. How did you get there? Well, you've got a growth state now. You're born again. And 
Now you're grown to from a baby to a little child. The Christ in you is grown. Now, writing to you little children, John states that in his epistle, his epistle, 1 John 2, 12 through 14. How writing to you little children? Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, and here's the main issue, and you've known the Father. You've known the Father, yes. You know that Jesus is the Father, just as he stated in John 8, 13 through 27. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. You've seen me, you've seen the Father, John 14. Well, those are the little children. They're not in the babies anymore. They have the revelation that Jesus is the Father. Most of the church world, even though they've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, if they have, born of the water, and received the Holy Ghost, then the next step, we must know that he is the Father of glory, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, that he is that self-existent eternal spirit of God the Father. He is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Well, that's what John states in 1 John, 2nd chapter, verse 12 through 14. I write to you little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Yes, you've been born again. And, and you have known the Father. Hmm. Now they've grown. Well, that's a growth state. Now we know that Jesus is the Father of glory. We're little children. We've been born of the water and the Spirit. And thank God we're now little children. But then we don't stop there. The Lord expects us to go to the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ, unto a perfect man. And that we see in Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, full of ground. But then you will hear the naysayers say, oh, no, you can never be perfect in the days of your flesh. <clears throat> You'll only be perfect when you get to heaven. Friend, if we're not walking in the light as he's in the light, we're not going to see heaven to begin with. We have to be walking in the light as he's in the light. Then we have, and only then, do we have fellowship one with another. That's blood flow within the body of Christ. And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, cleansing day by day. Now, it's 1 John 1, 9. If we walk in the light, he's in the light, then we have, uh, uh, we have fellowship one with another, 1 John 1, 7. And then, if we're faithful confessors, then he's faithful just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, stuff from all there that we've missed the mark, 1 John 1, 9. Now, when we take a look at that, we're born again of the water and the spirit, if you have repented, been baptized in the name, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost, to take on the name, the blood name, the redemptive name of God, Jesus Christ, Acts 2.38, as they did in uh, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, Paul himself in Acts 22. And you see in Acts 4.12, there's no other name among men under heaven given to us whereby we must be saved in Jesus Christ. You know that it's a blood name. It's a redemptive name. It's the name that washes away the sin. Notice in the book of Acts, it says, no more preach anymore in this man's name, Jesus. Why? Because you do intend to bring his blood upon us. When you preach the name of Jesus, you're bringing the blood. And it's a blood that cleanses. That's in the blood name of God, not Jehovah, not Elohim, but Jesus or that Yeshua, which is in the Hebrew, Jehovah is salvation. English? Jesus, Jehovah, is salvation. There's no other name. We must invoke that name. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord invokes that name, just as Paul did in Acts, the 22nd chapter. 
He had seen the Lord on the Damascus road. A great light that blinded him. He said, who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord Jehovah God Almighty? Who are you? He stood under the feet of Gamaliel. Anyone knew the law? Paul, the apostle, knew the law. The law. He was Saul at that time, Saul of Tarsus. He said, I am Jesus. Speaking to him in a Hebrew tongue, I am Yeshua. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, Paul, or Saul, at that time. And then he's called He's told what he's called to do, an example of long-suffering, and he will preach this gospel. He's also blinded, and he's healed of his blindness there. Ananias goes down to him to be uh, to bring uh, Saul of Tarsus to be healed of his blindness. So here's a man that's seen God, the great light. He knows the name of God, Jesus. He knows his calling. And he's been healed of his blindness. Now, after that, you would think that that man has definitely had his sins removed. That they have been buried. That he is born again, but he's not. It says, Ananias says to Saul of Tarsus, who turned Paul, who wrote 14 books of the New Testament, out of 27 books, he said unto Saul, Saul, why tarryest thou? Why are you waiting around? Why tarryest thou? Arise, be baptized, washing away your sins. There's only one way, taking on the name of Jesus. Calling upon the name of the Lord. That's how you call upon the name of God, invoke that name. You're buried with him in baptism, raised in the newness of life. It's by baptism through the, through the faith and the operation of God through that circumcision of Christ, the circumcision made with hand, without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. Many do not know that, but they are coming to it now. We have over a thousand ministers in Africa that have come to that truth. Forsaken the Trinity gospel going to a true one. God, the Jesus, doctrine of Christ, and that doctrine there for salvation of the soul. Now, we are born again and grow to little children. We know that Jesus is the Father, the Lord of glory. But are we saved? Now we're born again, but are we saved? We find in 2 Peter 1, we have to add to our faith virtue. What? You have to add to that? And then virtue, knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Wait a minute, I'm already born again. No, We've got to go on. We've got to grow through these exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us, whereby we're made partakers of his divine nature, holiness. Holiness is required. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So you're telling me born again, not necessarily, is going to guarantee me the kingdom of heaven. That's exactly right. But you're in the race. You have the power of God unto salvation and obedience under righteousness, Romans 6, there that you will come unto holiness, unto perfection. Whosoever you yield your members, the servants to obey him are the servants to whom you obey. So now it becomes obedience there of the leading of the Holy Ghost. Not you, not through the works of the law, but simply obeying the leading of the Holy Ghost through Christ in you. If you do not, it's called iniquity. If you do, it's called obedience. And whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey him with the servants to whom you obey, where you were servants unto sin, unto death, now it's of obedience unto righteousness, 
which yields the peaceable fruits of holiness. You will read that in Romans 6. Well, how are we saved then? We're born again, but how are we saved? Well, take a look at Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica in the second letter, in the second chapter, 2 Thessalonians 2, and he says, but you are saved through what? Sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Hmm. Sanctification of the Spirit. You're sanctified holy by simply obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, following the leading of the Holy Ghost, doing the will of God. You mean I have to do the will of God? Yes. Is that a general will? No. It is a specific individual will of God and the purpose of God in your individual life. Well, how do you know that? Well, you've been born again, newborn babes. You desire then sincere milk of the word, get that milk. Then you grow to little children. The little children, now you know that he is the Lord of glory. He is the Father. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the Lord God Almighty. And from there, now you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Romans 12, 1. And be not conformed to this world. Don't buy that prosperity gospel. Find the will of God for your life. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's getting the mind of Christ so you can be sealed in Revelation 7, sealed with the servants of God in their forehead. Now, who's the only ones going in? Well, going in what? The kingdom of heaven. We see that in Matthew 7, verse 22. Jesus stated, not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, wait a minute. Lord, Lord, will not be able to enter in the kingdom of heaven. When we see that no man can call Jesus Lord, except by the Holy Ghost. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, and a reading from the Word of God, KJV version. doesn't make any difference. You have an ESV and KJV, whatever. The Holy Ghost is what leads you and guides you into all the truth. And notice at 1 Corinthians 12, chapter, and verse 3, wherefore, Paul speaking, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. That's obviously a false spirit, a false prophet. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the self-existent eternal spirit of God, but by the Holy Ghost. But yet in Matthew 7, verse 22 Jesus says, not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice what it says here. It says, verse 22, not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, having the revelation that Jesus is the Lord of glory, the Father of glory, the self-existent eternal spirit of God, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. And no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. They're born again, not only born again, but have gone to the next level of little children. The only problem here is that they don't go on and obey the Lord Jesus in doing the will of God. Here's what he says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ooh. Well, that certainly does not 
condone the doctrine of once saved, always saved. We are born again, and we're saved as we add to our faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. We have to add these things. And it says here that the Lord speaking himself says, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus speaking in the days of his flesh. But many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, still calling the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. Now the naysayer will say, these weren't born again. Oh, yes, they were. They call him Lord, Lord, and no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And they're not just born again. They have reached the point of little children, knowing that he is the Father of glory, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. And he said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven, only those that do the will of God. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work what? Iniquity, lawlessness. You had the Holy Ghost, but you didn't obey it. You were led of the Holy Ghost, but you did not yield your members as servants to obey unto righteousness, in obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6, you didn't do it. Well, we're told that you're just saved, don't worry about it, live in the world, do whatever you want to do, and you're going to heaven. That is a lie. You have to find the will of God and do it. Somebody said, well, how do I do that? Well, that's the reason we're bringing this, this uh, podcast to you. Romans 12, I beseech you, brethren, that's one's already born again. By the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, and be not conformed to this world. Come out of the world and be separate. And be what? Renewed in your mind. That's the mind of Christ. You will be then, by doing the will of God, you'll be sealed with the uh, the seal of the living God in your forehead and the apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7 to be able to stand the wiles and the whoa, whoa, whoa trumpets that are still to be blown here in the earth in the judgments of God. Without that seal, the seal of the living God, if you notice that in that bottomless bit of the fifth trumpet in Revelation 9, that he opens that bottomless pit, the abyss, and it comes out Apollyon and Abaddon, the destroyer. And there's a locust horde. Notice it hurts only those men that have not the seal of the living God in their foreheads. And they hurt them for five months in agony. They will seek death and not find it. As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus said so, also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what is that? The waters prevailed upon the earth for 150 days in Noah's flood. Well, how long is this locust plague as it was in the days of Noah? That's 150 days, prophetic months, that's five months. How long is the locust plague? And it will hurt men for five months as it was in the days of Noah. But who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? Now, we have 
most of our downloads, we have them all over the world, thank God for that, but most of them in America. And surprisingly, France, Germany, we have the, it, it's uh, a Singapore. It's astounding that the many are turning to the Lord God Almighty, taking the word of God to be what it is, the word of God, not what some denominational preacher tells us. And this is what we say in our denomination. This is the truth. No, seek God for yourself and literally find out the will of God for your life and do it. That's the only way we have entrance to the kingdom of heaven. That's salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. What's sanctification of the spirit? Sanctifying yourself holy, both spirit, soul, and body. Doing the will of God. Now, how do you know what that will is? Paul stated right there in Romans 12, 1. You be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you can prove. You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you is. Many, many marvelous minds. And... Uh, Seeking God, regardless of the IQ, the intelligent quotient of a person, seeking the truth. And you wonder, what is truth? Man goes their whole life, what is truth? And seeking truth. You truly seek truth, the, the truth with all your heart. You'll find it. The only truth there is is Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. He is the spirit of truth. And there is none other. And to prove the will of God in your life, you have to crucify your flesh with the affections and the lust, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, and seeking God through these exceedingly great and precious promises, whereby you make protectors of his divine nature, and it will reveal to you the Spirit of God, and knowing the voice of God, the leading of the Holy Ghost in obedience, knowing that voice, and following the unction of the Holy One that's in you. You have an unction from the Holy One. 1 John 2.20 you have no need that any man teach you. Why? There's no pastor, preacher, bishop, apostle, prophet, anybody that's going to be able to tell you the will of God for your life. Now, they can give you a word, maybe of uh, knowledge, their word of wisdom, possibly, who can help you uh, to confirm the will of God in your life, but you will find that on your own through the leading of the Holy Ghost. And thank God for it. He promised you, you seek him, you're going to find him. Ask him to be given you, not going to be open to you. You see, for God all your heart, you're going to find him. You seek diligently for the Lord your God. You will find him. That's a promise of God. And that is the young men. The word of God is strong in you. You sought God in the word. And you've overcome the wicked one. That's your next step from children to young men. That's what we're doing now. Not, I beseech you, brethren. That's the church of the living God that have been born again and are little children said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the cross. Jesus stated, any man come after me, let him first deny himself. Pick up your cross, not my cross, pick up your cross and come and follow me. Why your cross? Because you crucify your flesh with the affection and the lust, doing the will of God, mortifying the deeds of the flesh to prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God for you is in the word of God. You seek God. And when you do, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your readable service. Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How? Through the reading of the word of God, seeking him in prayer, fasting, and dedication, consecration to God. That requires you to lay aside your will to do the will of God. And then when you do that, you're not conformed to this world. You don't let the world... Uh, uh, literally lead you 
and this woke ideology and whatever the other uh, globalist or whatever the case is to literally brainwash you into whatever you think that things wrong here and whatever, according to their measure or their ideology, but by the will of God. And when you do that, you'll be pleasing to God, not to man, but to God. And by doing that, pleasing to God, then you'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and thou to the joy of the Lord, you have access to the kingdom of heaven because you've done the will of God. There'll be more again. There'll be some that even say, Lord, Lord, that have grown and know that he is the father, but they didn't do the will of God and still will not have access to the kingdom of heaven and are saved through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, Second Thessalonians, that second chapter. Now that's the truth. How many people want the truth? And Paul said, because I tell you the truth, have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth, the answer is yes, many times you will. But it's better to obey God rather than man. There, be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take on that mind of Christ and it will also allow you to be sealed, the servants of God in your forehead, the mind of Christ, there in these last days, Revelation 7. That's what God's doing now. He's sealing his people now. Through the word, seek him. And when you do, you'll work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in you, what? Both the will and the do of his good pleasure. He is working his will in your life. And by doing that measure of faith given to you, each individual will have a different calling. Not all are called to be apostles or prophets or teachers or gifts of healings, or gifts of miracles, or whatever their helps or governments, whatever the case is. But you are definitely called for a work. And in the measure of that faith in the body of Christ that only you are called for, it is incumbent upon you that you find that will of God. It's essential. Find that will of God for your life and do it. Thereby doing it, you will hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But there will be many that will say, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. We cast that devil in your name. We prophesied in your name. And Jesus say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, lawlessness. You weren't led of the spirit. You did not do the will of God. You might have known it, but you didn't do it. And you will not have access to the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 22 on. Now, that's very simple. Matthew 5, he said, be ye holy, even as your Father in heaven is holy. It's through these exceedingly great and precious promises that through this, these obedience and to the exceedingly great and precious promises and seeking God in his word for the will of God, working out our own salvation, not our plan of salvation, our own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because we know that it's God that's working in us, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And we do the will of God, we'll be pleasing. If we do not do the will of God, we will not be sealed in Revelation 7. Herod, simply because we're born again doesn't guarantee us salvation. Somebody said, well, what is the guarantee of salvation? How do we know that we know? Take a look at 2 Peter, the first chapter, and Peter tells us how we can be guaranteed that we will not fail. And we will go into the measure of the church, the fullness of Christ, into a perfect man, and here, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How can we know that we know? Well, it's very simply stated. Second Peter, verse 1. And it tells us, 
whereby are given to you, and this is verse uh, chapter 1, 2 Peter ver chapter 1, verse 4. It says it given to us these great and, and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. And it says, having escaped the corruption of this world through him, and beside this, giving all diligence, diligently seeking him, all diligence, add to your faith, Virtue, be honest with God, always being led of the Spirit of God, truthfully. And to virtue, add knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. We all know that. And to knowledge, add temperance. Why? Those that strive, strive for the mastery must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. And then to temperance, patience. That after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience, that you receive a full reward. Tribulation, know that what you're going through the trouble you're going through. Tribulation works patience. These exceedingly great and precious promises given to us, we're going to be tried. Our faith will be tried as by fire. Count it a joy when you fall into the diverse temptations. Though you be, your faith be tried as by fire, it can come forth as pure gold. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for his name's sake. That's the cross. And we have a cross that's Christianity today. But it says there, patience. Well, tribulation works patience. You can't have patience without trouble. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. Experience worketh hope. Hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. There, we have that promise in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taking you such as common to man. That God will provide a way to escape or a way to bear it. We know that. So faith is what bridges us and brings us through the test, gives us a testimony. And in two patience, Godliness. We have to add godliness, the God light. That's doing the will of God. And then to godliness, we add brotherly kindness. And notice, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, charity, we is the final perfection of the body of Christ, and it has to abound. Notice in the for if these things be in you, that is. You add it to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. If all of these things uh, that be in you and abound, not just there, but abound, constantly uh, doing the will of God in these things, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So your knowledge and growing up in grace, being growing in grace and in favor with God is not through just study of the word, but in obedience. The more you obey the leading of the Holy Ghost, the more God gives you revelation and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ through obedience. It has nothing to do with IQ. It has to do with obedience. When you seek God with a pure heart, and then through this obedience, he gives you what? That you're not going to be barren, unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. And he said, but he that lacketh these things, you don't know that you need these things, is blind and cannot see afar off, can't see the things of God and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He forgot that that powerful working of God in him, the Christ in him. Forgotten it? He was, but he what? He forgot it. And wherefore the rather, watch this verse 10, 2 
Peter 1, verse 10, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence, seeking God diligently, to make your calling and election sure. How do you do that? For if you do these things, you shall never fail. There you go. You very, very simple. Add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness. Brother kindness, charity, charity is the epoch. It's the guarantee of perfection. It's the bond of perfectness. It states that charity is the bond or guarantee of perfectness. Guaranteeing you, you will be made perfect in the Lord Jesus Christ. Charity will cover a multitude of sins. It's one thing to be born again. It's another thing for to receive salvation. And here, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter down to the joy of the Lord. I hope this has been a blessing to you. You that know the will of God and you know the voice of God, please give me a call or email me there at sealinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org so that we can work together. The body of Christ must come together for the edifying of itself in love for what, whichever joint supplies. And it's only when we join together that these things happen and the Lord fitly frames us together, fitly frames the body of Christ and compacts it according to the measure of faith given to each part. Whichever joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love, we must come together. Please give me a call so we can work together. Your call for that true work of the ministry and the perfecting uh, there of the body of Christ. Then let's do this together. Sealing God's people at DennisBeard.org is my email. You can also reach me at DennisBeard.org. We have our seven books we've authored there, ebooks that, that they're there for your edification. You can also uh, email me there, message me there. Also at SealingGodsPeople.org, SealingGodsPeople.com. And if you'd like to be in fellowship with us there on the internet, it's JCIC.tv. That's uh, there for the Jesus Christ International Church, uh, which we are there in Africa uh, and going into India under the Jesus Christ International Church, which is not a denomination, it's a fellowship, but we do that at jcic.tv. If you're a minister or a serious believer, join us there at that uh, website and we give you updates on what we're doing and current events. That's jcic.tv. But nevertheless, uh, contact me so we can work together. There also, you can write me at our post office box, post office box address, and that is DBM, Dennis Beard Ministries, post office box 2906 Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. There, we look forward to hearing from you. Please don't procrastinate. Let's work together. There's time that the body of Christ is going to be sealed and it's sealing only those that have that mind of Christ, Revelation 7. That's what's happening now. Well, we're praying for each of us, all of us, that God will perfect that which is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.